Are you all okay? Good, good. Um, yeah, it's, it's a preach, isn't it, that I've come to give, which is a strange thing to do for me. It's not my normal thing. Um, take some thought as to what I want to do, what I want to say to you all, um, and how I want to say it as much as anything else, because we all know it's not often what you say, it's how you say it that resonates with people, isn't it? And you look at these guides for preachers and what you should do, and um, they all give you an idea of how best to articulate your thoughts. Be funny, which I'm not. not I'm not funny. Not intentionally, anyway. I'm sometimes funny unintentionally, but I'm not funny intentionally. There'll be a funny man here next week intentionally, Mark Ritchie. He is funny, naturally, and that's his gifting. Um, I have a different way of doing things, I guess. And, and that's really what I want to talk about this morning. It's about finding your place. Um, we've got a wall here, haven't we, as an imagery. And we've talked about it for this year. And, and building, and it's important that we understand the context of that as individuals, I think. Um, I was reading in the paper yesterday about probably the most famous preacher of, of my youth anyway, You've probably all heard of him, who died this week, a guy called Billy Graham. I think probably everybody's heard of. Um, a powerful American preacher from the 1950s right the way through until um, probably 20, 2005, I think he stopped preaching. And he died this week at the age of 99. Now, Billy Graham preached pretty powerfully. He was what you'd say an, evangel an evangelic preacher, very charismatic um, and he preached to over 200 million people in his life, including my mum. I know. My mum told me. She told me years ago, and then, but it, it, she just kind of skirted over it. And then I was talking to her yesterday, and I said, I was preaching today, and, and I said about Billy Graham passing away this week. And she said, oh, well, I remember going to Main Road Football Stadium in 1961. We worked it out because... It was three months before my mum and dad got married, and they got married in August 61. And I went on the wonders of Google and found um, a, a newspaper cutting of Billy Graham preaching at Main Road in May 1961, and some images of the crowd and so on. Um, but it didn't affect my mum, <laughs> which is the funny bit. She said it was a very interesting time, but I didn't find a lot of interest in what he said, really. And that was that. Off he went. Now, the reason my mum had gone was because her cousins were very passionate Christians at the time. And my, or my mum's uncle, actually be my great uncle, I guess, actually spent quite a bit of time with Billy Graham in the 60s. Um, so it's, it just fascinates me how these things come around. But, but there you go. As an introduction to a preach, you've got a guy who preached to 200 million people live, probably 2 billion people, they think, would have heard him from a media perspective. But when my mum saw him, it didn't affect her one iota. <laughs> but there you go. So I've got about 200 people here this morning, and it's my hope that something that I say will be memorable to one of you so that you can tell your children in 40-odd years' time Maybe that you heard somebody, and maybe something that you heard was worth remembering. I don't know. We'll see. Right, um, the story of today. Yeah, it's about this wall here, um, 
we talked about this last year, I think, as a core team. We started to talk about vision for this year um, and building and, and obviously the Nehemiah concept, which has been spoken about quite a bit so far. Um, and then I was asked to speak on it as well. And I'd got some, some ideas or I don't know whether they are ideas with me. Sometimes things just kind of grate with me or wrangle me. And I think that's the only time when I really discover how I feel about things. I'd like to call it a righteous anger. I don't think it is most of the time. It's just how I am. Um, But I hope it's normally directed in the right um, spirit, if you like. And sometimes things crop up that make me feel that this is wrong and this needs to be righted. Um, And sometimes people need to know these things. So you get a platform occasionally, and, and this is what today's all about. And, and the reason I want to say this is because it's important for people when they build something to understand their purpose and their position within the building, particularly if we're trying to build together. And obviously, as a group of people here as a church, that's what we do. But we're also people... And we also engage with the world beyond the church. Um, And so it's important to understand who we are as people as well. To remain constant in in our lives. So I have an an analogy, which I always like analogies. Again, it's something that comes to me. Um, I don't know whether they ever mean anything to anybody else, but they fit well with me. So I've got some bricks here. I'm going to show you. You'll all be familiar. Can you see that? With that, a pretty plain old house brick from my garden. I found these behind the shed. And another one. Now these are good for building with. And there's a third one. And anybody who's ever built will expect me to put it there. Because if you put it like that, the wall falls down, doesn't it, pretty quickly? So you tend to overlap them like that. Now that's the start of my thoughts today. Um, Building. We can use bricks to build. Strong bricks. Bricks of a uniform shape. And they do a pretty good job. But something doesn't seem right to me when I look at bricks like this. Um, And from an analogy point of view, when I think about people coming together trying to build, I have a problem with this. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you look at that and you see anything wrong with it at all. You might think it's perfect. You might think that's great. That's what we need to do. But I have a problem with it. Um, And I'll show you why. Because there's another kind of brick or stone that you can used to build, which is that, which is misshapen, a bit crooked, a bit spiky, a bit rough, but very different to these, okay? Um, now, that I like that, and I don't like these, and that was the start of this for me, when we're talking about building Why don't I like uniform bricks? What's wrong with uniform bricks? What's wrong with a consistency? 
safety, if you like, and knowing that when you're going to build, everyone's going to be the same. You can build quickly and efficiently. Why don't I like it? Whereas this, if we've got a group of these together, no two are alike. It's impossible to find another stone of that shape. You won't get one. And if you get another one and you put it next to it, as you can see in this wall here, they don't quite fit perfectly, do they? There's rough edges, there's gaps. So why would you want to build with those instead of using these? So I, I needed to seek out within myself, I think, why I felt that way. Is it just me? You know, can I say this to anybody and say, I don't like these, but I like this. Well, I can say that to anybody, can't I? But when I'm speaking in a church and we're trying to speak about God and Christ and um, how he can improve our lives, is there anything relevant to my thoughts on this? And I think that there is. And that's what I want to try and say to you this morning and try and articulate. So, and I don't even know if I wanted to do this, to be honest, this morning, because I'm conforming to a type now. Because um, this is a preach, so we have points. So we've got three points, but I don't really want three points, to be honest. Because I'm falling into the category of the bricks. And it's boring, and it's quite dull at times. So I might not do it, I don't know yet. But this is what I want to talk about. I've got a scripture, so, and because the comms team have had my notes and and made the effort, it would be rude of me not to put the first point up. Uh, oh, just, sorry, just go back. I did also, can you go back again, please? I did also put a title in, because we all like a title, don't we? Because it gives us stability and security to know that we're coming in to do something, and we have a beginning, and we have an end, and we have points along the way, just like the bricks. So... I wanted to play Pink Floyd to you this morning. How many of you know who Pink Floyd are over here? <laughs> Quite a few then. That would have been okay. I, did, I was going to put the Pink Floyd um, The Wall video on. But there's some stuff in there that I probably didn't want to have to try and explain this morning. The mind of Roger Waters who wrote that was a, a strange place and still is, I think. Um, but I do like the wall. I like the ideas and thoughts that he put into that. But I've called this, don't, be, uh, don't just be another brick in the wall, okay? Um, not dissimilar to the story of the, of the film, which is made up of plain, boring old bricks. So if we go to the first point, please. Beware the tribal mentality. Um, I don't know whether that's the right thing to say or not, but I've got a scripture I found here which, again, I think sometimes I look for to try and justify my point. I guess you'd say it's to try and validate what I think, to try and ensure that it does somehow resonate with God, and it's not me going off on a tangent. Uh, to trust one's instincts, you might say, about yourself. I think that's perhaps a good way of putting it. So if you can put the, the first scripture up, please. This is from Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. This is the story of man um, in his early years, if you like. God creates man, 
gives man the freedom to make some choices about how he lives his life and what he does. And for those of you that know the story of the Tower of Babel, man had got very powerful, very rich. When I say man, I mean civilization, if you like, as a body, as a group, and decided to glorify themselves by building a tower. And this is the story. They said to one another, come, let us, let's make bricks and fire them well. They used brick for stone and tar for mortar. So it is interesting to me that they use brick instead of stone. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. God came down to look over the city and the tower those people had built. God took one look and said, one people, one language. Why, this is only a first step. Can we go on, please? No telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Come, we'll go down and gobble their speech so they won't understand each other. Then God scattered them from there all over the world. Now, why would the people want to build this tower to prevent themselves being scattered across the world? And why would they create these bricks and mortar, which it's important to me that it's referenced in the word of God? Because there's... It's the wrong phrase, so there's devil in the detail, isn't there? But there's importance and significance in the words in the Bible, and sometimes we can miss them. And this states that they chose to build with bricks, and they actually chose to build a tower that enclosed them and prevented them from being scattered. Now, to me, the problem I have with this, and the problem I have with our lives at times, and this is why I want to bring it up as a point, is that we become tribal. We become um, instinctively group-minded, conformist, want to be like everybody else. Often we think we've made it, don't we? And we perhaps don't think we need to look to God anymore and to allow God to move our lives. So we stay rigidly set where we are and we use what we have to actually create our identity in the world. So the tower which was something that God didn't like at all, unfortunately can represent to me how we often choose to be. And we lose that sense of freedom when we think we have to conform to a shape. Now, most of us here, have, we've all got shirts, T-shirts, jeans, trainers. They've all got names on, haven't they? We find association through these things. When did the time come? when the labels were put on the outside of clothes, so that when people look at you, before they even speak to you, they form an opinion as to your value in society. I see it when I go out and people say, oh, that's a nice top, and because it's got a little crocodile on the, on the breast. Now, if it hasn't got a little crocodile on the breast, they don't say that's a nice top, even though it might be a nice top. And we gain some comfort from that, don't we? Because we think we've conformed to the tribe. We're in the tribe. The tribe likes us now. It doesn't matter what the person actually thinks of us as a human being beneath the top. We're in the tribe all of a sudden because of that top. 
And that's what this to me represents. Too often when we wake up in our lives and we think, what are we going to do today? How are we going to engage with people? We want to conform. We want to satisfy ourselves that we feel part of a group of people, but for the wrong reasons. And that's why God was angry with man when he built the Tower of Babel. You see, it wasn't the building that mattered. And that's what we've talked about with Nehemiah. Building is good. It's the purpose and the heart for the building that matters. When Nehemiah engaged the people to build the city walls or to rebuild the city walls, it was because it was to protect the people and to bring the people together after they'd been scattered. When the story of Babel came about, man was becoming too arrogant, too favored in himself, too clicky with his mates, misguided in what he thought was the purposes within his life, was comfortable in his own wealth and, and being, and accepted for the wrong reasons. And sadly, that's what we do most days of our lives. And we'll go away from here today and we'll say, yeah, I understand that. That's probably a good point. And we'll go to the shops and we'll buy the crocodile-shaped T-shirts because it makes us feel like we've made it and we've conformed. And we do the same with our houses. We do the same with the cars. We do the same with the jobs. And if we're not careful, that becomes the purpose and the identity of who we are. And all of a sudden, oh dear, we all look the same. You know, now, do we all want to have green crocodile T-shirts on? We could do. I've got one. I had, it yet. I had one for my birthday, and my mate said to me yesterday, that's a nice T-shirt. Thanks, Tony. I know it is, because it's got a crocodile on it. I'm becoming a shapeless person. Do you understand what I'm saying? And before long, there's no identity left. Now, why do you think God was annoyed? Why do you think he felt the people haven't got it right here with the story of Babel? Because he'd created something and then he'd given it the freedom to choose and it had mischosen its path in life. Now, because God is gracious with us, he allows us to do these things and he allows us to continue on whichever path we choose. But he gives us these stories to remind us, to help us because he created us in a different way. He didn't create us, I don't believe, to be this way. And I certainly don't think he wants to build with people who are this way. So if you can go to my second point, please, of my three, which is manufactured to a mold or uniquely shaped. Now, it's kind of the same thing, really, but from a personal perspective, why do we want to look alike? You can line us up like that. What makes us feel that pouring ourselves into a mold of conformist approaches to everything is the right way to live? Now, we talk a lot about the flesh in, in church. We talk a lot about the spirit in church. And we'll be um, spending some time on the spirit again tonight and, and refresh. But there's also another part to us, which is the soul. And the soul, I think, is that which makes you who you are. We all have a soul. We can't scientifically 
prove that the soul of a person exists. But I think we all have a soul. In fact, I know we all have a soul because when I look out and see everybody here today, everybody is different. Every face and behind those faces, for those of you that I know, I know you're all different people. You all have a different personality, a different character, different individuals. And that's what your soul represents. But sometimes we don't quite like our own souls, do we? We like the person next to us better than us. Or we see somebody across the street and we think their lives are better than ours. And we think then all of a sudden, well, we're kind of devalued as an individual here. So we need to change who we are because I'm not happy with my life anymore because I want to live as they live or as they live. And we forget that what we're actually talking about isn't the essence of who we are anymore. We've lost the foundations if we're not careful if we pour ourselves into this mold of the principles of our own lives. Because whether we like it or not, we have no choice as to our own soul. God has chosen, for whatever reason, to create each and every one of us as we are. But I don't think God gets it wrong, you see. And sometimes we sit and think... What's this all about? Why am I the way I am? Why is my life as it is? Why aren't I like that person? Why aren't I funny? Why can't I tell jokes like Mark Ritchie? I can't, you know. God didn't give me that ability to crack jokes. I had to write um, an article at at work last week, um, a getting to know you article about me and my new team. Um, And they give you a series of questions to answer. And I'm reading through the questions And there's there's things like, what's your favorite joke? And what's your favorite food? I I don't know. I can't answer these kind of questions. It's just not me. So, of course, I turn it into something completely different because that's how I am. And that's me. And that's fine because that's me in the same way that how you are should be how you are. Now, God wants to change you. But what he does want to do is change your behavior where necessary through learning and teaching and education and prayer and the better understanding of him, what he doesn't want to do is change your soul because he's created you to be you and yet we keep pouring ourselves into this mold. And sometimes it makes me want to throw all the crocodile t-shirts in the bin and say, I don't want to be seen or represented by an article of clothing or by the car that I drive, or by the house that I live in, or the job that I do, or any of those things, or almost anything that is conforming to a mold. I don't want to live like that, because if you strip it all away, only then do you find the soul of the person. So we have to work harder at protecting our own souls, at getting to know ourselves, of loving ourselves, of of rejecting anything in society that starts to pour us into this. Now, if I had shown you the video of the wall, it's pretty gruesome because Roger Waters shows, from, it's an animated video of children in school being poured into a sausage-making machine. 
and they get twisted into the sausage maker machine and come out the other side all the same. And what he's trying to say without a Christian context is the same thing. Why do we allow ourselves in society to, to be molded into the same robotic type of person against the will of God? Because if God had wanted robotic people, he wouldn't have given us souls and personalities and characters that are all different. Would he? he just, why would he have done it? He wants us to embrace them because he knows and loves us, each and every one, purely for who we are. And we need to love and, re- and, and, and respect that that he's done within us. We mustn't forget that. I better look at these notes I've made. There isn't, there's a scripture I knew I needed to look. Can you put the next one up, please? This is the proof, again, of my, um, my thoughts and ramblings, really. Isaiah 64, 8 to 9 says, Still, God, you are the Father. We're the clay, and you are our potter. All of us are what you made us. Again, if we believe that, and we don't just read it and say, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Why do we go back to this? Why do we feel later on today, in a moment of darkness, well, my life isn't as good as it should be. My individual nature isn't as I'd like it to be. I don't quite like those rough edges within myself or whatever it is. We forget this. And we become this again. And we have to remember this. We have to treasure the gift, not just of life, but the gift of our soul, the gift of our personality, the gift of our character. And love, before we love other people, love ourselves. And in loving yourselves, you love the master potter. You love the creator of who did this. That's the point of this. It's not about me saying, love yourselves, or be edgy and quirky. It's be thankful that God gave you what you you are, whatever that is. And God gave me what I am. And even though I go home and I haven't made any jokes or made anybody laugh, it doesn't matter because I've been true to myself. And if God made me that way, then that's why he wanted me to be that way. And somebody else can crack the jokes. Mark Ritchie can next week or... You can tell them after, after church. It's, it's just remembering this. It's important. Because otherwise, we come into church, and we bring this into church, and you become a Christian, and you think, wow, I've got to fit in now. So that person that I once was, I've got to discard now because they want me to be a brick. So I've got to be that person sitting there. So I can't be as I am. I've got to be as church wants me to be, even though you don't really know what church wants you to be anyway, because church doesn't exist without you, and you are who you are. So God gave you the creation that you are to be and live as you are to be, not to try and change and to be this brick on top of another brick on top of another brick. And we're all boring and dull, and we don't really do anything. And when we say hello to somebody, it could be anybody doesn't matter anymore because there's nobody with any personality left so retain yourself and your being and who you are and love God for it it's important to me that you do this please don't become a brick in a wall (laughs) 
Why do you think we do it, though? Do you think we fear to stand out? Do you think we fear to be the one that hasn't got the crocodile on the T-shirt and who's mocked and laughed in the corner for not having enough? What does that mean anyway? But it hurts us when it's said, doesn't it? When people mock us because we don't conform or we don't look like everybody else, we're not the cool kids. And that doesn't go away. When you're 47, you still sometimes don't feel like the cool kids. It's just part of our fleshly being. But we have to recognize it. We have to stand against it, not succumb to it and give in to these thoughts. This maybe lack of confidence in ourselves. Because that isn't glorifying God. That's denying God. Because that's tantamount to saying, God, you made a mistake with me. You know, we talk about this creation and you being the master potter. But when you pluck me out of the air, God, you didn't really do a very good job, did you? I don't believe that. And I know it's not true with any of you people here. And I've never seen anybody, if you break them down to who they really are, that isn't a wonderful seed of a person within. But all these layers upon layers of conformity and fear and, and just need to be part of a tribe as opposed to an individual. And then you become part of something because you are, you are authentic in who you are. And that resonates with people. The one thing we've seen in politics recently is people kicking against falsehoods and what are perceived to be pretense. Now, I don't like Mr. Trump, but you can see who he is very, very clearly when you see him speak. You know what you're getting because he doesn't care what people say about him, so he says it anyway. And I respect him for that, even though I don't hold value in much of what he says. I like the fact that he's willing enough to say it. And sometimes we need to be that way. Now, we can be measured with what we say, because we understand, because our behavior is changed over time with our relationship with God. But we don't change our personality and our character as well. We retain that so that when I say the message, and it's the same message that Paul says, it comes across in a slightly different way because it's me. And that's the same with all of you. And when we build, we want to build with those kinds of people. Right, third point please. Seated together, rough edges and all. This is kind of where I guess it becomes difficult because I've talked a bit about us as people and how we feel and how I think sometimes we lose the true soul of ourselves um, for various reasons I've discussed. But we're talking now about building together and we're talking about, as an analogy, building a wall, which again you see here with all these different types of bricks and sizes and shapes. And the preach today is supposed to be about how you fit into this, which hopefully this does a little bit of. Now, when you first look at that, it's hard to see, as I said earlier, how you fit that into anything, isn't it? As it stands... If you try and fit that next to another brick or stone, it's going to rub up against the other stone, isn't it? It's probably going to topple over or be at a strange angle. 
The other thing, when you build with bricks, you never leave bricks like that. There's something goes between the bricks, isn't there? Which in the, uh, the passage earlier on said mortar, we tend to call it cement. But I have a problem with cement as well. Because what cement does is it actually lets that brick sit on top of the other bricks and it never rubs up against the other bricks. And those two there never touch each other because there's some cement in there as well. So a bricklayer would say, yeah, but that's, that gives the wall the strength. But I'm not talking about strength today because I don't believe God's interested in the practicalities of who we are. God's interested in the beauty and the magnificence of who we are because he created us. It says in the Bible, on the seventh day, God rested. And I think when he rested, he looked back and he smiled on what he'd done. Because he'd created something that was beautifully, artistically created. Now that, to me, is just that. It's got roughness on it. It's got awkwardness to it. It's like most of us, to be frank. We live like that, don't we? And sometimes we like a bit of cement between us and the rest of the world because it gives us comfort. We haven't got to rub up against people. We haven't got to get to know people. We haven't got to be challenged by some of our rough edges and decide whether we need to allow them to be shaved off, have we? Because if we're all the same and we put the cement in, it doesn't matter. I can stay as I am. I can pretend that I'm doing the right thing and I'm a good Christian because the cement protects me from ever actually challenging myself to talk to anybody else about things properly and decide whether we agree or not and how we're going to get on. Whereas if I go and embrace a brick wall, a stone wall like this, a lovely dry stone wall we call them, we've got to be willing to have something happen to us. Because although there's no cement in this wall, the edges of the bricks have to be shaved off, don't they? Now, if we believe there's a master potter, as we call him, and we believe God is the architect of our lives, then we come as we are within ourselves. We recognize who we are. We embrace and rejoice in our soul. And we know we've got rough edges, but we're still willing to jump in, climb into the wall, knowing that we perhaps won't fit at first, but trusting that over time, God will shave these rough edges off us. And that's what a master potter does. And if you ever watch a dry stone wall being built, you will see the, the wall. It will look at the bricks or the stones. You'll find two that are pretty close to line to each other. But then he'll begin to work on them. He'll begin to shape them. He'll place them next to each other. He'll take one apart. He'll chip away at it. He'll put it back again. And eventually, they'll fit together. And one will actually support the other. Because if you take one of these out, you can put another one of exactly the same mold in its place. Nobody will ever know. If you take a brick out of a dry stone wall, the others around it will no longer be supported. So there's a reliance upon each and every brick shaped by a period of time in each other's company that creates the strength in that wall. And that's, I think, again, how we need to be as people. So when we first get together, we want to keep a detachment from people, don't we? We want to be a bit off, just see, gauge people, see how they are, make a judgment. Do I like this person? I'm not going to stay with them. I'm going to go over here. Um, we don't do that with a dry stone wall. 
We are as we are, warts and all, and we trust in the master potter to shape us as we go along. And we, we exist for a purpose, to build the wall. The, dry, the stone is there to be built with. The only way in which it formulates a wall properly is if the master potter shapes it correctly. Now, God doesn't misshape things. God will shape things correctly. So all of us together in a wall will be shaped together. But there might be some rough edges at first on people. But that's fine. That's how life is. And that's how we are. And if we embrace who we are, it doesn't matter. We live with those things. Now that, to me, is a thing of beauty. And I think that matters to God. That is a thing of practicality. And I don't think God's particularly interested in that. And I think that's how we are as people. And I think that matters to God. And I think as we go along in society, we fall into that trap and we think we're right, and we think we're doing the, the right things, and we think we're getting along, but really we've never ru- shaved those rough edges against each other. We've never rubbed up with each other and allowed things to change within ourselves. And we have to, otherwise they never will. So to find your place in this wall, I think the problem with that phrase in itself is you will fall into a mold. Because you will say to yourself, I probably don't fit as I am, so I'm going to have to make myself a different shape to fit. And then you wait, and you try and see if you think, do I fit yet? Have I actually actually reshaped myself? And before you know it, you've actually not done anything, because you're busy trying to see yourself in a different light. I want you to throw yourself in at the wall and just say, I am here. Here I am. This is me. If that doesn't fit with the next person, God will help me change it. And then we'll get on together. And that's how we build a wall together, folks. We don't have to worry about how we are misshapen as people. It will happen. I've got two minutes left. Bands, do you want to come up? They always want to sign the band as to when to come up. And I usually forget to give them a nod. Now, I have talked for 40 minutes, I think it is there. Um, But I could have just read this out to you. Because I found this yesterday. Just have a drink first. Where are you going to go, Dave? (laughs) Right. This was written by an 11-year-old, and it says this. Be yourself. Don't change so people will like you. Be yourself, and the right people will love the real you. You don't need to act like others, because they're already being them. And you weren't made to be them. You were made to be you. I believe God made us all different for a reason. So we can do the things God tasked us to do. And if you are being someone else, then your task will never be done. 
as you were too busy being someone else. So I don't think we should care what other people say as they don't know the real you. So how can they judge you by just looking? Now I'd like to have just read that out this morning because that's really what I'm trying to say. And that's written by an 11 year old, but that wouldn't have done, would it? It wouldn't have done 40 minutes. So this wall here, be like that. Enjoy being an uncomfortable stone in a wall, not a manufactured wall, without cement to support us and rejoice in your own soul and who you are as people.